This is Herb Montgomery, and I want to take this opportunity to thank all of you who are supporting the work of Renewed Heart Ministries. It's people like yourself that enable us to exist and to be a positive resource in our world in the work of survival, resistance, liberation, restoration, and transformation. If you're unfamiliar with Renewed Heart Ministries, we are a not-for-profit group that is passionate about centering a set of values and ethics in the experiences of those on the undersides and margins of our society informed also by the sayings and the teachings of the historical Jewish Jesus of Nazareth. If you'd like to support our work, I'll tell you how you can do so at the end of this podcast. But for now, we simply want to thank you for listening. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 205 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. Our title this week is Speaking Against the Holy Spirit. Our featured text is Sayings Gospel Q 12. Uh, verse 10, and whoever says a word against the Son of Humanity, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, uh, lowercase h, it will not be forgiven him. Our companion texts are Matthew 12, uh, 32. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. And Luke 12, verse 10, and everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who blasts themes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Also, uh, we find this statement in the Gospel of Thomas as well, Gospel of Thomas 44. Jesus says, whoever blasphemes against the Father, it will be forgiven him, and whoever blasphemes against the Son, it will be forgiven him. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, neither on earth nor in heaven. Let's first talk about how womanism interprets uh, spirit, not necessarily the Holy Spirit, but but spirit in general. For those unfamiliar with uh, the womanist school of thought, Alice Walker, uh, she writes that womanist is to feminist as purple is to lavender, and that's In Search of Our Mother's Gardens, Womanist Prose, uh, page 12. Uh, womanism's origins are among uh, black women, of the African diaspora. And within our context this week, I love the emphasis that womanist writers place uh, on spirit. Karen Baker Fletcher, who's a Christian womanist, she explains uh, uh, the spirit is an all-encompassing inclusive force in which God, creator, and Jesus, and all of creation are inextricably entombed. And that's from My Sister, My Brother, page 31. Uh, she then goes on to quote uh, Igbo theologian, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this pronunciation, and I'm so sorry, I, I have no clue how to pronounce this name, but Okachuku uh, Agbanaya uh, uh, and, and makes the statement, spirit is like the amniotic fluids, the waters of the womb that encompass a child before it's born and, the, and accompanying it, uh, flowing out with it as it makes its way into the world as we know it. It surrounds the child and forms the first environment out of which it is born. Christian womanists, they view Jesus as the human embodiment of the spirit. And, and spirit is the source of, of strength and courage to both 
survive and to stand up to individual and systemic oppression. Womanists join love with justice also in their discussion of the spirit. Uh, Emily Towns, for example, reminds us that we see the evidence of the spirit at work when we see justice as the demands of love. And you can find that in uh, A Blaze of Glory, page 143 through 144. But within a woman's understanding, whenever we see love as engagement of the world uh, in the area of justice for the oppressed or the marginalized or the subjugated, we're seeing the spirit at work. So a womanist would read our saying this week, assuming that the spirit expresses love through uh, uh, restorative justice or, or liberative or transformative and distributive justice. And I remember an evangelical 4th of July celebration that I had attended once in California where supporters of the Christian right, they repeatedly during that weekend quoted Paul's statement, now the spirit of the Lord uh, now, this Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is uh, freedom or, or liberty, and that's 2 Corinthians 3.17. But what I found is that too often, uh, this freedom or, or, or the small government rhetoric, it's not been freedom for the oppressed. It's not liberty for those imprisoned and exploited uh, like in uh, Luke 4.18. Rather, it's about individual freedom or, or states' freedoms to, to oppress, to segregate, uh, to imprison, or, or even to exploit. I'll put a link uh, to an article on that uh, the, in the Eastside this week. But in other words, for those at the top of an exploitative or a social pyramid uh, who are privileged or advantaged and, and they're benefiting by the status quo, freedom and liberty means something fundamentally different than it does for those at the bottom of that pyramid. Um, one is fixated on the freedom of the individual to do whatever they desire. And the other sees that in nature, we're not truly free from one another. As we said last week, we're all interconnected. We're part of one another. We are each other's fate. And what one does affects the other. What the individual does affects the community as much as what the community does affects the individual. And we are not genuinely free from one another. And the Spirit's work in Luke is especially helpful for us to remember this week. In Luke 4, 18 through 19, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. And watch how the Spirit finds expression here uh, to proclaim good news to the poor, has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the canceling of all debts or, or the year of the Lord's favor. And again, that's Luke 4, 18 through 19. But the Spirit's work, uh, or, or rather the Spirit works in solidarity with those on the undersides and margins of our societies. And it calls those among the elite to abandon their advantage, to, to join the rank and file and to work for a society marked by equity, fairness, and compassion, it's finding expression through safety for everyone. And this week, I want to encourage you to think of the spirit in the context of distributive justice, a justice that makes an environment where each person not only survives, but also thrives. And this is one of the most devastating critiques, I think, of capitalism for Jesus followers, because capitalism creates wealth disparity between winners and losers. The U.S. is the wealthiest nation in history, but it's also home to the greatest wealth disparity in history. Today, six people possess as much wealth as the bottom 50% of society. And, and despite 
being so wealthy, the U.S. is still home to 43 million people who live below the poverty line. And as I often say, the game of Monopoly is fun for the first two rounds, but the last two rounds are only fun for one person at the table, and for everyone else, it's a slow painful death. And I want to speak for a moment, too, to the middle class in our society. Here in the U.S., um, we do have a class structure. uh, Below many of us is is the lower class, and above us is the upper class. And there are large portions of the middle class of people who have what I call drunk the upper class's Kool-Aid. These are people who who look at the upper class, and they long to be where they are. They, They subscribe to their their economic philosophies, and their social solutions. Even within Christianity, many people here in Appalachia, where I live, think that if the poor can simply be taught how to play the upper class's game of gaining and keeping individual wealth more effectively, that this will solve poverty. An example of this, are you find this in churches who, who promote programs like Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. And what I want us to stop and consider is whether the game itself has moral ramifications. It's not whether you learn how to play the game well enough, It's is there something fundamentally uh, uh, morally bankrupt about the game itself? Is it enough to teach people how to succeed in an exploitative system? In Sang's Gospel Q, we instead see a Jesus who critiques the exploitative system itself and casts before his listeners' imagination a world that plays by a different set of values and priorities. And I continue to bump into certain Uh, resistance in Christian churches when I speak of Jesus's preferential option for the poor. Just recently, I was at a church where a gentleman came up to me after one of my presentations, and he stuck his finger on my chest and he said, I'll be damned if I'm going to let someone else take my hard-earned money away from me and give it to those lazy poor people. And I want to try and break down what I see happening here in this statement. First, within the U.S., the higher one traverses up the class structure, the more tax loopholes one can use to legally avoid uh, paying taxes. The the U.S. president admitted in in the third presidential uh, debate, I haven't paid taxes in 19 years, he said, and that makes me smart. And this legal tax avoidance means that the middle class pays most for social programs that go to alleviate the economic hardships that capitalism produces for the poor. The lower middle class, those who have worked really hard just to eke across the line from low lower class to middle class, they're the ones that pay the most. And they've worked really hard to get to where they are. And and I get their frustration. I get why that guy put his finger right on my chest. But 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 I want us to see this week, um, what I want us to see is that they too, are, uh, this middle class, the, 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 the finger pokers, uh, they're the ones that are being played by the upper class too, uh, that, that upper class that doesn't pay any taxes. They get out of uh, paying taxes unlike us, and then they place the majority of the tax burdens on others, on ourselves. And this predisposes middle-class people, even Christian congregations, to have knee-jerk reactions, uh, knee-jerk negative reactions, whenever helping the poor is even brought up. Most of the Christians that I have the pleasure of giving presentations to are middle-class Christians, and they're not exempt from what I've described above. When Christians hear that uh, their their Jesus speak of of selling everything that they have and giving it to the poor. They hear it from their social location and they respond. But then we'll all be poor. And I'd like us to consider that Jesus's message 
is to the upper class, or, or rather the portion of his message that was to the upper class uh, was sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. To the middle class, Jesus would instead say, don't be afraid, little flock. It's the Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom too. Seek first Jesus's new social order, which the in the Gospels we see referred to as the kingdom. And remember, as we've covered so many times in this series, this is a social order marked uh, by no more classism. It's a mutual aid among those in the lower classes and resource sharing for those in the middle class and radical wealth redistribution for those in the upper class. And Jesus envisioned a class structure, uh, or rather he, he envisioned class structures themselves being replaced by a shared table with enough for everyone where every person's needs are met in the kingdom. And, and not in the sense of just scratching by. This is a world where everyone is thriving together. But here's the catch. How does this relate to our saying this week on, on speaking against the spirit? The spirit that Jesus spoke of is the spirit of liberation and restoration and transformation. It calls those who are in the middle class to stop their love affair with the upper class and, and to stop standing in solidarity with the rich, stop making preferential options for the wealthy, and enter instead into a love affair with the poor, stand in solidarity with the economically exploited, embrace Jesus's preferential option for the poor. And when we do this, Jesus promised all these things will be added unto you intrinsically, because within a community that embraces the values and priorities of Jesus's social vision, all these things, they're added to everybody. In Matthew 6, where Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and his justice, and all these things will be given to you. This is a community where because we've we've restructured, nobody goes without. We all have enough. And, and yet the upper class continually has us think and has us speak and feel and act against this spirit that anoints one to bring good news to the poor. And some in an attempt to delegitimize a world that looks like Jesus's, uh, they use slurs such as, or, or labels such as leftist or socialist or communism, because they know that many people will find these words emotionally charged. But some of those who use these terms derogatorily, they don't even know what these terms mean. And others who who do know, they they use them accurately, but, but they genuinely want an oligarchy where the world is ruled by the elites. So, so stop falling for their fear-mongering. Stop drinking their Kool-Aid. Recently, I watched two documentaries back-to-back, and the first was the documentary The 13th. Two uh, podcasts ago, I asked the heart groups to, to watch this one. And, and, and it's an in-depth look into the prison system in the United States and how it reveals the the nation's history of racial inequality. And then, um, right back to back, uh, on the tail end of this one, at the request of a friend, I watched the documentary Occupy Unmasked, which is an alt-right uh, white supremacist spin on the Occupy movement, written by Steve Bannon and, and hosted by the late Andrew uh, Breitbart. And watching these two films back to back is what produced a spontaneous combustion in my heart. There are people today who buy hook, line, and sinker, the, the popular misrepresentation, misrepresentations of the Occupy movement. And, and, and yes, the movement did have flaws, as all movements do, but it was nowhere near what Breitbart accuses it of being. And, and when the masses have been made solely dependent on corporate elites for survival, remember this, this has been massively detrimental to them. And, and yet I have family and friends who think that documentaries like Unmasked represent the truth, while documentaries like the 13th, that they're the 
ones that are the spin. And, and it's, it's, we find this in Isaiah. It's calling evil good and good evil. The Hebrew prophets themselves, they pointed out the same phenomenon within their societies. Isaiah 5.20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So, 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 I mean, think about for a moment the, the term fake news. The, the fake news was originally used to call out conspiracists whose reporting was without foundation. And I have family now who calls news agencies like the Washington Post fake news. And they're saying things like, I'm simply choosing to believe in alternative facts. And each of these family members also claims to be Christian. And though they may not realize it today, their Jesus stood in solidarity with the oppressed. He, he taught a gospel that did have a preference, but it was a preference for the poor, the outcast, and those forced to live on the edges of society. So, so stop standing with those who were once in the driver's seat of abuse and they want to be restored to that place of power over others again. Stand in solidarity instead uh, with and, and be informed by the voices of those who, who historically have been abused. Equity will always feel oppressive to those with privilege. Their privilege over others is being removed. Their advantage over others is being removed. But remember, we're making a world that's safe for everyone, including them, And even though they rarely perceive it that way. But, but wherever the liberating Holy Spirit is believed to be evil, wherever it's accused of being dangerous, uh, wherever slurs or label are used to, 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 uh, in, in a derogatory fashion, where this world that Jesus envisioned uh, is thought to be naive. Remember, all these things were, were just as true by Jesus' enemies among the elite in his own society. And, and whenever this is taking place, whenever the liberating Holy Spirit is being believed to be evil, I think these words are saying this week is calling us to reconsider. Sings Gospel Q1210, whoever says a word against the Son of Humanity... It'll be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. Heart group application this week. Who's telling the truth? Which side uh, should one listen to? And especially in the uphill work of making our world a safer, more compassionate, just home for us all. Jesus's gospel calls us to make a preferential option for the voices of the vulnerable and the oppressed, and that includes all of them. And we cannot afford to make a world that solves the human dilemma uh, for some at the expense of others or the expense of any group. So this week, what I want you to do is sit down with your heart group. And number one, discuss what difference it makes to define Jesus's Holy Spirit as liberation for the poor, the marginalized, and the disinherited. And then number two, those in positions of privilege within the status quo, remember, they will always have a different side to the story. Uh, of course they will, because even if only subconsciously, they want to preserve their social location. So there all, again, there will always be two sides to every story. What difference will it make uh, to base your preferential option on the perspectives of the underprivileged people in our society rather than those who feel like they're losing their privilege. So number two, again, what difference will it make to base your preferential option on, on the underprivileged and their perspective uh, rather than, than the other side? And then number three, this week, choose some well-respected news outlets to read and begin asking yourself, which side is this person's perspective making a preferential option for? Is it making a prefer preferential option for, for those with privilege, or is it making a preferential option for those who are underprivileged? And then come back to your group next week 
and discuss any changes in the Spirit's work that you began to perceive this week. Again, thank you for checking in with us this week. Keep living in love, loving like Jesus, following the gospel Jesus modeled for us by making a preferential option for the least of these. Keep up the good work of survival, wherever this finds you, of resistance, liberation, restoration, and transformation. And remember, we're in this together. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Thank you once again for listening. Everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries is done with the purpose of making these resources as free as possible. And to do so, we need the help of people like yourself. If you'd like to support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, you can make a one-time gift or become one of our monthly contributors by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking on the Donate tab at the top right of the homepage. Or you can mail your contribution to Renewed Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, 24. Make sure you also sign up for our free resources on our website, and we have a monthly newsletter that we mail out, and there's just much, much more. Remember, everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries is for free, and every little bit helps. And anything we receive over and above our annual budget, we happily pass on to other not-for-profits that are, are, we feel are making both systemic and, and personal differences in the lives of those less privileged within our status quo. And for those all already supporting our work. Again, thank you. Together we are making a difference, making our world a safer, more just, more compassionate home for us all.